This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. Matthew says when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. <clears throat> on this occasion the Lord has taken His disciples over on the east side of the Jordan River. There's a place there called Caesarea Philippi. And they've been out preaching and teaching. He's been working miracles. By now many thousands of people have heard Jesus. They've seen Him. They've seen His miracles. They've heard His teaching. And so they've had a chance now to form an opinion of Christ. Verse 13, Jesus asked the twelve, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they begin to tell Him what they're hearing. Some think you're John the Baptist. Others think you might be Elijah. Others think you might be Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But that wasn't the answer Jesus wanted. In verse 15 He asked the twelve, Whom say ye that I am? And Peter answering said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now Jesus never denied that statement. He never said to Peter, Peter, I'm just a man like you are. You have the wrong impression of me. The Lord was aware of who He was, that He was the Christ, that He was the Messiah, that He was the Son of God, that He was deity, that He is God in the flesh. And so He pronounced a blessing upon Peter. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. That is, you didn't learn that from man, but from my Father which is in heaven. Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that too. I hope you all do. And if I didn't believe that today, I wouldn't be here. There's a lot of other places I'd be if I didn't believe in Jesus rather than this assembly because I would be wasting my time if I didn't have that faith. See. <clears throat> but I believe that with all my heart. Now, Jesus claimed to be Lord God. That's, a, that's quite a claim, isn't it? He claimed to be deity. And folks, that's either true or it isn't. If it's true, it's very important. And even if it's not true, it's significant. And we need to know that too. So we need to know about this. And so this morning I want to investigate Jesus. <clears throat> I want to talk about Jesus with us for a while and, and uh, we need to investigate Him and see what the Bible has to say. There is evidence filed mountain high in the Bible sufficient to convince us if we'll look. And I want to look at this claim of Jesus to be Lord God and uh, study that under several different things. First of all, Jesus is declared to be and said to be God in the flesh. I want you to notice that. And let's notice some things about His birth. In Matthew 1, verse 18 through 23, 
He is, he is said to be God in the flesh. Let's notice. Matthew says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, or happened this way. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And that's the first thing I want you to notice the Bible says. Jesus is God with us. That's very clearly taught there in the Gospels. When I mention the Gospels, I'm talking about Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And there's some other things that are said about Jesus in the Gospels, about His being God. I want you to notice another passage now. This one from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. John 1, verse 1 to 3. John says of Christ, In the beginning was the Word. I want you to notice that capital W there. He's speaking to Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now notice this Word that's spoken of here. Whoever the Word was, was in the beginning. They were in the beginning with God. And that Word was God. Who is the Word here? Verse 14. John tells us, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now remember, that Word was in the beginning, and that Word was God, but what happened to the Word? Verse 14, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is said to be God in the flesh. He is the Word. He is God. The Word was God. And then we're told the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us. There again is Jesus, God in the flesh. And the Bible teaches that in several places. In the Gospels, it also teaches that in what we call the epistles, that is the letters, like from Romans on through Revelation. Notice Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 6. Philippians 2, 5 through 6. Paul said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Paul said that, that Jesus uh, was in the form of God in the form of God. And he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. See, He made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. There again we have the idea of God in the flesh. God among men in Jesus Christ because he was in the form of God and was equal with God. Now notice again another passage. This time Hebrews chapter 1 
verse 1 to 3. Remember, we're saying that Jesus is God in the flesh. That's what the Bible teaches. In Hebrews 1, verse 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. Now notice verse 3. Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. So we're told of Jesus, He is the brightness of His Father's glory. He is the express image of His person. In other words, when you see Jesus, if we could really see Him, He'd look just like the Father. He's the brightness of His glory. He's the express image of His person. And He upholds all things by the word of His power, we're told. See. Now notice verse 8, because in this passage the Father speaks about His Son. And the writer of Hebrews tells us what He said. But unto the Son He saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of Thy kingdom. When God the Father speaks about His Son, Jesus, and the Father speaking to the Son, He says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness, a scepter of Thy kingdom. The Father calls the Son God. Did you notice that in verse 8? Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Jesus is God in the flesh. And so that's the first thing I want, want to notice about Him. That's what the Bible teaches. Beloved, that's either true or it's not. That's true or it isn't. There's no middle ground about it. The Bible says Jesus is God in the flesh. We either believe that or we don't. But there's really no other option. It's either He is or He isn't. And since He's God in the flesh, we would expect Him to have the characteristics of God, and He does. Colossians 2 and 9, read that with me. <clears throat> the Bible says of Christ, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When you think about Jesus, in Him resides or dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. Some people call it the Trinity. The Bible uses the word Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the fullness of all of it dwells in Jesus. Note that. In Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So Jesus should have the characteristics of God, and He does. And I want to notice some of these. First of all, Jesus is eternal. Now if you've ever thought of Jesus as coming into existence at Bethlehem, you've missed it. Yes, that's when He came in the flesh. But there's never been a time when Jesus did not exist. He is eternal just like His Father. And when Micah the prophet predicted the birthplace of Jesus, I want you to notice how Micah made this prediction. That's Micah 5 and 2. Read with me. Micah says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. When he, when he predicts the birthplace of Jesus as Bethlehem, he said, Out of Bethlehem is going to come this one that's going to be ruler in Israel, talking about Christ. And he said, His goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. There has never been a time when Jesus didn't exist with the Father. 
Never. He is eternal just like the Father. In other words, the nature of deity is to be eternal. That's why, that's why God is God. He's eternal. There has to be something that's always existed or there couldn't be anything. In other words, we're taught, aren't we, logically, that something cannot come from nothing. When you look around and see the creation, it came from something. Something has to be eternal. Something has to have always existed. Otherwise, there wouldn't be anything. And then the question becomes is what is eternal? Is that dead matter or is it life? Is it God? If dead matter is what's eternal, then there never would be anything but that dead matter because dead matter produces nothing. This table here will produce nothing. You could leave it here for eternity. It produces nothing. It's incapable of producing anything and it certainly can't produce life. Dead matter cannot produce life. Only life can produce life. And so something has had to always exist. We call that something God. And when we think of God's Son, Jesus, He's always existed as well. He is eternal just like the Father. That means He goes far back of Moses. He goes far back of Abraham. He goes far back of creation. You can't imagine a time when there was no Jesus. Won't you look at John 8 with me? The Lord had a conversation with the Jews, a discussion with them about Abraham and being Abraham's children and such things. And finally down here in, in John 8, verse 56 to 58, Jesus tells the Jews, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Do you find that an interesting answer, statement? Before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. Why didn't Jesus say, Before Abraham was, I was? Why didn't He say, Before Abraham was, I existed? Why did He say, Before Abraham was, I am? You ever heard of the great I Am, Jehovah? Jesus is making that claim. The Jews knew what He meant. They tried to kill Him. They thought He was worthy of death for this statement. They thought this was blasphemy. Before Abraham was, I Am. Let me take you back in your memories to the time of Moses. You remember Moses, uh, when he was 40 years old, he, he'd been taught about his heritage. His mother had raised him. Uh, even there at the palace. And uh, so he'd been taught about the Hebrew children and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and about God. And Moses saw an Egyptian taskmaster uh, beating a Hebrew man one day and Moses killed that Egyptian and buried his body in the sand because Moses knew if when Pharaoh found out why, you know, he'd be in jeopardy, he'd be in trouble. Moses fled Egypt when he was 40 years old after he killed that Egyptian. He went over to the land of Midian, and over in Midian he married a woman. His father-in-law was a man named Jethro, and Jethro had a lot of flocks, and Moses became a shepherd for about forty years over there, tending his father-in-law's flocks. One day as Moses kept his father-in-law's sheep, he looked upon the side of a mountain there, and he saw a bush on fire, remember the burning bush. And he saw that this bush was burning, but it wasn't consumed. Moses said, I've got to turn aside and see this sight. 
as he approached the bush, the Lord spoke to him. Take your shoes off, Moses. You're on holy ground. The Lord was in the bush, and He spoke to Moses. But who was the Lord? That's what Moses wanted to know. The Lord tells him, I've seen the affliction of my people in Israel, or Israel back in Egypt. I want you to go back to Egypt, Moses, and tell Pharaoh to let my people go, that they may serve me. You go to my people. And so Moses now talks with God. I want you to look at Exodus 3, verse 13 and 14 there with me. Moses said unto God, he's speaking to the one in the bush, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers have sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Who do you think was in the bush? The Lord said, You go tell my people that I am sent you. Now when Jesus said to the Jews before Abraham was, I am. What does that tell you? It tells me Jesus was in the bush. Before Abraham was, I am. And there at the bush, when the Lord speaks with Moses, He said, Who do I tell the children of Israel that sent me? And the Lord said, You tell them I am sent you. And now when Jesus, you see, told the Jews, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. And they said, You aren't yet fifty years old. You're telling us you've seen Abraham? He said, Before Abraham was, I am. He was before Moses. He was before Abraham. He was before anything. Jesus was in the burning bush. He is Lord God. And that's what that proves. He's not only that, He's Jehovah. Look at, look at chapter 6 of Exodus, verse 2 and 3. God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. That Hebrew word there is El Shaddai, God Almighty. But he said, By, the, by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. Jesus is the great Jehovah. He is the great I Am. He is eternal, just like the Father. And there's never been a time when Jesus did not exist. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus is God and therefore has the characteristics of God. And one of those characteristics is He is eternal, just like His Father. Secondly, if He's God and He is, we would expect Him to be omnipotent, that is, all-powerful, and Jesus is all-powerful. In Matthew 28 and 18, when He gives the Great Commission, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then He tells them to go teach all nations. Christ said, I have all power in heaven and earth. Hebrews 1 and 3 again. <clears throat> the Bible says of Christ, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, we look up into the heavens here and and we know the sun is up there. Here's our little old bitty earth. And all around are countless stars and a few planets and things like that. And they're just hanging up there in space on nothing, just like our earth is. 
And we talk about gravity and we talk about different things, holding things in place. But of course some of these places in space have no gravity. The Bible says of Jesus, He upholds all things by the word of His power. In other words, He's spoken and things, things stay where they're at. Look at John 1, verse 1 to 3 again. And I want to say some things about these verses. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Notice that. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. When we look around at mountains, when we look around at streams and trees, everything that we are able to see with the naked eye, all these things were made by Jesus. The Word made these things. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. I want you to think about something a minute. We have this huge star up in the heavens we call the sun. This big burning star. It's been burning for millenniums. We're told that you could put 1.3 million Earths inside that sun. That's how huge it is. That's a pretty big ball of fire, isn't it? 1.3 million Earths will fit inside. It's some 92 to 93 million miles away from us. Scientists tell us it's got a surface temperature of about 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty hot, isn't it? We talk about 95 and 100 being hot, 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Who made that? Jesus. When we take communion this morning, I want you to think about that, that the one we're worshiping here today, the one whose body we're remembering, the one whose blood we will be thankful for today that gives us forgiveness of our sins, is the one that has the power to speak a sun into existence and to hold it there for thousands of years burning at 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. This is the Jesus we serve. This is the Lord we serve. He's all-powerful. And so here's this little bitty planet Earth we're on. You know, we're told regarding us, our Earth is spinning about 1,000 miles an hour at the equator. Now right now here in North America, we're, we're spinning uh, several hundred miles an hour. I don't know how many hundred miles. It's a little slower than the equator. <clears throat> but right now we don't feel a bit of that because of gravity. We're traveling at a tremendous speed right now, maybe seven, eight, nine hundred miles an hour, I don't know. But we don't feel that as, we, as the earth goes round and round on its axis. So while we're rotating several hundred miles an hour, and Jesus set that in motion, and it doesn't waver. It's, it's perfectly timed where every 24 hours it makes a revolution. We're going around the sun at the same time we're spinning on the axis. And once every 365 or so days, we'll make a complete, complete trip around that sun, all the while spinning at a tremendous speed as well. Somebody put that there and set it in motion and upholds it by the word of His power. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things 
were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Our Lord today is all powerful. Now I want you to think about something today. You and I are going to stand in front of this very being in judgment. We're not going to be standing in front of a little baby born at Bethlehem. We're going to be standing in front of the one that has the power to speak anything like the Son or anything else He wants into existence. And it's going to be an awesome day when we stand in front of Him, someone with that kind of power, someone who could speak and we would just be annihilated. And we're going to give an account for our lives here to this very person, to this Jesus. And that's going to be an awesome day. We've got people today that have no care at all for Jesus Christ. They have no interest in Him. They have no care of who He is. They hear of Him. Some, when they get mad, will speak His name as a cuss word, as an expression of disgust. And we hear people swear by that name and treat the name as if it's nothing and think of Jesus as if He's nothing. And they don't understand who they're dealing with. When you're dealing with Jesus, you're dealing with a power we can't even begin to imagine here. We are nothing in this universe, yet He is mindful of us. We are nothing, yet He went to Calvary for us. We are a speck. Our, little, our earth, as big as it is to us, is a speck compared to the sun. 1.3 million of them will fit inside of it. And what are we to this earth? Just nothing little frail human beings full of pride and arrogance who think we're something and we're special. When you really consider the scope of everything and who Christ is in this world and universe, we're nothing. And yet God loves us and Jesus came and died for us. We must be pretty important to Him. But really, we're nothing. Just nothing. Think of the power of someone that can speak something like the sun into existence. Keep it burning for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, and it will burn as long as he wants it to burn. And when he's through with it, it'll be extinguished. I can't even fathom power like this. But you see, if Jesus is Lord God, that's the kind of power he has. He is eternal, he's all powerful. Number three, Jesus, if He were God, is worthy of worship. Well, uh, our Lord accepted worship. I want to take you to Matthew 4, verse 8 to 10. <clears throat> After Jesus was baptized, remember, He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and He prayed and fasted for 40 days and nights. Afterward, He's hungry, and then the devil comes trying to tempt Him to sin. We read in Matthew 4 and 8, Again, the devil taketh Him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth Him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto them, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now Jesus says that we are to worship the Lord thy God. The Lord God is the one we worship. He made that clear to the devil. So, the only one worthy of worship is God, Lord God. All right, let's notice now. Revelation 22 and 9, John has an angel that shows him all the wonderful things in the book of Revelation. 
If you and I had an angel appear to us in all of his glory, a heavenly being, we would be in awe of that angel. And John was too. So John tells us in verse 8 that he fell down at the feet to worship that angel. In Revelation 22, 9, look at what the angel said. The angel says to him, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. Here's an angel that won't let John worship. Note that. The angel knows he's not worthy of worship. Now angels are a completely higher order of beings than we are. And yet they know they're not God and they're not worthy of worship. Much less bowing down to a human being, we don't bow to angels either. We worship the Lord our God. That's what Jesus said to do. In fact, angels themselves worship Jesus. Look at Hebrews 1 and 6. The writer's talking about Christ. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Right now, Jesus is worshiped in heaven by millions of angels. Continually they praise him. Holy, 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 they speak to God the Father. And they praise the Son. Let all the angels of God worship Him. Now remember, Jesus said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. Well, so, so, suppose somebody should worship Jesus. Well, they did worship Jesus. Read with me Matthew 14 and verse 33. <clears throat> Jesus sent a boat with the disciples. And we read, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped Him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Jesus accepted that worship there in that ship by His disciples. They worshiped Him. Notice that. To worship Him doesn't mean you have three songs and a prayer, and then you have a song after prayer and a lesson and take the Lord's Supper and take a collection. That's part of our worship service on Sundays. You can worship the Lord anywhere. They worshiped Him in a ship. Did you notice He accepts that worship? He told the devil... Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Then why is He letting His disciples worship Him? He is the Lord God. And He's worthy of that worship. And that's why He accepts it. If not, He would be a hypocrite, wouldn't He? For telling the devil, no, I'm not buying down to you. God is the, the Lord God's the only one that you're to worship. And yet He lets His disciples worship Him. That tells you right there Jesus believed that He was Lord God, and He is. He is eternal just like His Father. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. He, he accepted worship just like God. Finally, in Luke 5, Jesus forgave sins, as only God can forgive sins. Let's read the story here of this paralyzed man. Verse 18 of Luke 5. Behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. That means paralyzed. They sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now look at that statement. Jesus forgives this man his sins. Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this that speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
When Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whither is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, He saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Indeed they had, hadn't they? Jesus is teaching in a house. The doors and windows are jammed. They've got a paralyzed man on a couch, on a bed. They know if they can get him into where Jesus is, he can, he can heal him. But they can't get there. So they go up on the housetop, they tear the tiling back, make a big hole, let the whole bed down into the room where Jesus is. Luke says, when he saw their faith, he says to this paralyzed man, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now listen, the only one we can forgive are people that sinned against us. The only ones we can forgive is someone who sinned against us. So far as we know, Jesus has never seen this man before. Then why is He forgiving him? How has this man sinned against Jesus if He's never seen him? Only if Jesus is God, and then all sins are against God, see. And that's what He is. And that's why He forgave him. He asked him a question, which is easier? To say to a man, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? And the answer is, they're the same because only God can do either one of them. See? So Jesus said, So you'll know I for, that, that I have power on earth to forgive. So you'll know I'm God. I'm going to heal this guy. So you'll know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thy house. And the man got up carrying his bed and went home. Jesus just demonstrated that He had power to forgive him by healing him. He just demonstrated that He's Lord God by healing the man, because only God can forgive sins, and only God can heal a cripple. And that's what He did, and that's what He demonstrated. Jesus forgave sins. I said that He's Lord God. He's God in the flesh. He has the characteristics of God. He is eternal. He's omnipotent or all-powerful. He is worthy of worship, and He forgave sins. We could talk about more characteristics. Jesus claimed to have to be deity, and that claims what got Him murdered. Let's read from Mark, <clears throat> Mark chapter 14 at verse 60. <clears throat> this is the Lord before the high priest after He's arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. The high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But he held his peace, and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him, and saith, and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, and saith, What need we any further witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What think you? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. When the high priest asked Jesus, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? He's saying, Are you claiming to be God? Are you claiming to be the Son of God? Jesus said, I am. 
you're going to see the Son of Man one day coming with the clouds and sitting on the right hand of glory. He's claiming deity and the high priest knew it. And he looks at the others and he said, what, we don't need any more witnesses. You've heard this blasphemy. This man's claiming to be God. And they all condemned him to be worthy of death. His claim of being deity got him murdered. See, And folks, he's either Lord God or he's not. Now he claimed to be Lord God. So I want to look at this logically. Now that we've given all this evidence, let's look at some things. Jesus claimed to be Lord God, and that, that leaves two alternatives. One, His claims were false. He's not Lord God. Or two, His claims were true, and He is Lord God. That's the only two alternatives. There's no middle ground about it. He's either Lord God or He's not. Let's say that He's not. Let's say His claims were false. He's not Lord God, and that just leaves two alternatives. Number one, if he knew that his claims were false, yet he claimed to be Lord God anyway, he was a liar. Wouldn't that be right? I'm not trying to denigrate Jesus. But if Jesus claimed to be Lord God and he knew that he wasn't, and he knew that consciously, he was just lying. And in that case, he wouldn't even be a good man, much less God. So he wouldn't even be a good man at all. Secondly, if he claimed to be Lord God, but he really didn't know he wasn't, he just thought he was, he was deluded, then he was a lunatic. If he claimed to be God and he didn't know any better, he was crazy. Does the Jesus in the Bible come off to you as someone who's lost his mind? How does somebody that's a lunatic give us the Sermon on the Mount? How does a lunatic give us the greatest moral system man's ever, ever had? Taught there in loving your neighbors yourself and such things. Now Jesus has no characteristics of somebody that's a lunatic, that, that was deluded about who He was. If His claims were false, and He's not Lord God, either then He lied or He was crazy. On the other hand, if His claims were true, and they are, and He is Lord God, and He is, then that, then that just leaves two alternatives. If He is Lord God, you and I can choose to obey Him, or we can choose to reject Him. Every one of us today are in this situation. If you believe Jesus is Lord God, you've got two choices. You can obey Him, or you can reject Him. If you reject Him, remember you're going to have to stand in front of the one that hung the sun in place, that created everything that exists, and He's going to demand an account of your life. You need to think seriously about Jesus Christ this morning. Every one of us do. Is He our Lord? If He is Lord God, we can obey Him, and if we'll obey Him, He'll give us eternal life. Hebrews 5, verse 8 and 9, the writer said, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. He is the author of eternal salvation to those that obey him. In Luke 6 and 46, Jesus said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Listen to me. If you're calling Jesus Lord this morning, then obey Him. 
do what He says. Why call me Lord, He says, and do not the things that I say? The word Lord means ruler. If He's your ruler, obey Him. And He'll give you eternal salvation. <clears throat> On the other hand, you can reject Him. We have free choice. But in John 12 and 48, Jesus said this, if you reject Him, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. We can reject him in this life, folks. But we're going to stand in front of him one of these days, and these words that he spoke are going to be the words by which you and I are judged. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. In Acts 3, verse 22 and 23, as Peter quotes from Moses about Christ, Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet, this is Jesus, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. We need to hear everything Jesus said, and if we're not willing to hear all things that He said, then Peter says we're going to be destroyed. We're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. We're going to be condemned, see. And so we've got two choices then. There's no middle ground about Jesus. Jesus is Lord God. And there's many references to Christ in the Bible. I want you to notice some of these. Jesus is the root and offspring of David. He's the bright and morning star. He's the righteous judge. He's the prince of peace. He's the chief shepherd. He's the bread of life. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Word of God. He is our high priest. He is Lord of lords. He is King of kings. He is the true vine. He is God with us. He is mighty God. He is wonderful. He is counselor. He is the door of the sheepfold. He is the captain of our salvation. He is the head of the body. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the good shepherd. He is the one mediator. He is God our Savior. He is the bridegroom. He is the Son of God. He is or the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. He is the Prince of Life. He is our Passover. He is the Savior. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And there's no middle ground with Jesus. In John 12 and 30, Jesus said, He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. In John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Folks, that's either true or it isn't. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and no man is coming to the Father except by me. If that's true, then that doesn't leave any other ground for any other person. What about Muhammad? He can't get you to the Father. Jesus said, I'm the way, truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Christianity is a very exclusive religion because the very center of it the very core belief is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And there's no middle ground with Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, or He's not. No man comes to the Father except by Him. That's either true or false. <clears throat> I'll tell you a story that happened to me years ago. 
before I close. Some of you have heard me mention this, others haven't. I was living in Beaumont, Texas years ago. There was a young man I was trying to study with there in Beaumont and, and uh, wanted to get a study with him and wasn't having much success. He was, he was caught up in an Eastern cult of some kind. He was uh, following some Eastern guru. The man's name was Maharaji. I don't know how I remember that all these years later. That was about 1980 or 81. Maharaji. And uh, the young man said, this fellow's going to lecture down here at such and such place, such and such time. Would you like to go hear a lecture from this man? And I thought, well, I'll go down there and hear him because maybe he'll do a study with me. And so I went down and they had a video of this man. He wasn't there in person. But there was a video playing of him talking about light and getting people to the light and how he could get you to God and, and all this stuff. And people were just enthralled with this guy. He was the great one that was going to get them to God. And I listened to that nonsense for however long it lasted and watched the video. And we were standing at the back of the room when it was over and they came up to me and they said, Pat, what did you think about this? What do you think about this guy? I said, let me ask you guys something. I said, have any of y'all ever committed sin? Well, they said, we're all sinners. And I said, how's this guy going to forgive your sins? Does he have a sacrifice that's going to appease God's wrath? Can he take away your sins? What can he do? What can he offer God to appease his anger towards you? They said, well, we hadn't thought about that. You see, Jesus offered his blood, didn't he? And that removes God's anger, and that has, that has the ability to pay the sin debt that we owe and appease God's anger and enable God to forgive us. I said, let me ask you another question, fellas. Are any of y'all going to die? Well, they said, we're all going to die. I said, how's this guy going to raise you from the dead? Does he have the power to resurrect people? Well, we hadn't thought about that. See. Jesus has power over death, doesn't he? He's going to raise the dead one day. Why? Because He conquered death when He rose the third day. His soul came out of Hades. He conquered Hades. The gates of Hades could not prevail against Him. Jesus owns the grave and has authority over it. The tomb couldn't hold Him. See? And since He rose from the dead, He's never died again. This guru is probably dead by now, and if He's not, He will be soon. And He's going to need a resurrection. He not only can't get himself up out of the ground, he can't raise anybody. He's helpless. Muhammad, whatever remains are left of him, are over there in the tomb in the Middle East. And they go to the grave. But you see, Muhammad's remains are still there. Not only can he not help his followers, he can't even help himself. He can't get up out of the tomb. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He is the only one that made a sacrifice, the shedding of His blood, which we'll remember today when we drink this fruit of the vine. He's the only one that can appease God's anger with His sacrifice of His own life blood. He is the only one that can resurrect our bodies one day and get us up out of the tomb after we die. I am the way, the truth, and the life, He said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And now you see why. There is no way to God except through Jesus Christ. He is Lord God. 
We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.